Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. But, uh, so we are beginning, or I'm uh, sorry, actually going to be wrapping up a message series that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks called Love Like Jesus. Um, we've been talking about what it means to love like Jesus, taking his example, finding out what is it, what does Jesus do? How does he live his life? Uh, how did he live his life? And how can we learn to love like him? Which we think is a really applicable um, topic for today because our world is, is, uh, is, is facing a lot, of, uh, a lot of issues and challenges that are creating a lot of division. And what we're not seeing, particularly in social media or even in just in our world, is a lot of love. We're seeing division. And what we did see is that, that over the centuries, as Christians loved like Jesus, people came to know him and found meaning and it changed societies and civilizations. And so we want to be, uh, to be people who love like Jesus. And so when we often talk about um, why Jesus came, right? So we think about why did Jesus come uh, to the earth in the first place? What do we normally think of? We think things that he said. He said, I came to seek and save the lost, right? That was something that he um, said often that he came to give his life as a ransom for many, right? That was another thing that Jesus said all the time. Uh, he came to, to give his life as a, as a payment for sin, right? And he also said, I've come to, to, to give uh, that my light, that you may have life to the fullest. Um, but how did he come? So we know why he came, right? But how did he come? Like, what would you say? Like, if I were to ask you, like, what were the things that Jesus did most often? What would you guys say? Like, what were some things that he, like how he came, the things that he did most? Taught. Hmm? Taught. Taught. Okay, so teaching, for sure. He did a lot of teaching. What else? Spending time with people, getting to know people. Okay, spending time with people, for sure. What else? Healing. Healing people. That's another one. Yeah, so people would say he preached, right? So we oftentimes saw him on the side of a mountain or a hill, you know, where he would kind of sort of be in an elevated position and he would be preaching, you know, kind of sharing, uh, sharing the good news. Other times... He would be healing, or he'd be walking through and he would touch people. People would come to him. They knew him so much that he would be uh, healing, uh, that they could come to him and he would heal them. Other times he would be teaching. He would sit down around a fire or in a synagogue and he would teach people. But one thing that we probably wouldn't think of, but there is this interesting moment in Luke chapter 7, verse 34. You don't have to turn there. But it says that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Like that was something that so much so, apparently it was so much so that he was called a glutton and a drunk by, by, by the Pharisees, by people who didn't really know him, but were like kind of targeting him, right? Like kind of judging him very simply. The son of man came eating and drinking. He spent so much time sitting down with people in their living rooms, dining rooms, um, out at cafes, things like that, if they had them, um, you know, or, or having meals and drinking with people that without knowing it from the outside, because he was also not just hanging out with religious people. He was hanging out with sinners. He was hanging out with, with prostitutes and, you know, I mean, modern day people who'd be drug dealers or, you know, maybe corrupt business people. I mean, all sorts of people. And the assumption is, oh, you're hanging out with that person. You must be like them, right? Jesus was known for being someone who came as eating and drinking. And so I think we have a lot in common with Jesus because 
because we all love to eat, we all love to drink. And, and so today I want to talk a lot about what it means to break bread, right? So this series, this message series, Love Like Jesus, we talked about in our first week that to love like Jesus means to forgive sinners, right? It means, it means forgiving people, like taking your hands off of the throat of those that you have a right to be angry with, to not being the judge, to pray for your enemies, pray for those who hurt you, and to forgive them. To love like Jesus means to forgive sinners. It also means, like we talked about last week, washing feet. It means to, to be willing to take your position, the position you've been given, the rightful position, to stoop down, to come to someone's level to a great place of need, to a place of great need, and be willing to serve, to be a servant. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, right? So to love like Jesus means to, to, to strip off, like Jesus took off his outer clothing and then put on a waiter's you know, towel and sat down and did something gross and nasty, something that would be considered to be humiliating or for the lowest levels and lowest classes to be a servant. And today I want to talk about what it means to love like Jesus in the concept of breaking bread and eating and drinking. Uh, if you were to read the entire book of Luke, um, you would see that you could actually kind of take a class on meals um, all throughout the book of Luke, particularly um, in the Gospel of Luke, they're either going to a meal, they're either at a meal, or they were just coming from one. It's oftentimes mentioned that after they ate, they went here, or on their way to this place where they're going to eat, they're going here, or they just got done eating, or they're eating presently. So much throughout the book of Luke, we see them eating and drinking. And it's interesting because Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. And so it's interesting that he would include details. Last week, we talked about how, how, um, how uh, I think it was either Matthew or Mark uh, included the details about the argument that they got into, right? You know, um, this week, Luke is talking about the physical body and the things that they would do often. And he understood that there was something powerful about food and about drink. And when I think about the importance of food, you don't have to go any further than my family. Um, I have a bunch of Lanzas in the room here. And, you know, we always joke that our family, particularly, um, everything we do revolves around food. Yes, we're Italian and we love to eat, but it just, we just love to eat, you know. Um, our vacations are usually centered around where we eat or when we're eating and what we're eating. In fact, we had a big group chat uh, Zoom meeting for the, to decide what the menu is going to be this year uh, because we love food. We love to eat. We love to, to enjoy food. We love to spend time together over the table and, and eating together. Um, and something happens when we do that, whether it's with family or with friends, or even imagine, uh, think about like blind dates or like your first date, or think about like a business meeting, right? If you're trying to get together with someone and do a deal, meals are often the places that these things happen. Why? Because something happens. I call food the great equalizer. Every culture eats food. Everybody needs food. You can go to another country and not know a thing about somebody, but sit down at a table with them and be able to have something in common, right? There's something about sharing food together. It creates intimacy. It creates fellowship. It's a place where you can sit down and, and get to know people. I mean, I think about our dinner table. We have a rule in our house that unless there's an emergency or something like a job or something, that we all stop what we're doing and we have dinner together every night. So at this table here every night, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Lincoln stops playing video games. I stop doing whatever I am on my phone or working or whatever. Heather's doing the same thing. Autumn, same thing. We all sit down at the table and we're always 
talking about, hey, what was your day like today? What'd you do today? What'd you learn in school? Hey, here's what's going on at work. You know, those kinds of things. Why? Because it gives you a chance to be able to connect and create some intimacy. You know, you get to know somebody better when you're eating food with them. Your guard comes down, right? And the same thing was, was true in, with Jesus. There's a spiritual element to it. They were spending time with the one who would later give his life for them. And think about that. Think about afterwards, right? Think about afterwards, long after Jesus was gone. What would they remember the most? Probably the conversations that they had with him over the meal, right? Do you remember that time that, do you remember that one time that Jesus like, you know, like was eating that, that fish that we had and then like, then Peter told that joke and he spit it out of his mouth, like, and he had that joke, you know, and then, but then that turned into that conversation about, about how we messed up that day. And then, and he told us about that, like, that's how that kind of stuff happens, right? The presence of Jesus was, was with them. They experienced him and got to know him. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about the concept of loving like Jesus through the lens of community. You know, we're pretty good at this as a church, but I think there are things that we can reinforce, but I can also think that there are things that we can learn, and, and not just from our church perspective, but how we can, we can implement this in our own lives to include other people in it, in the concept of community and fellowship. And what I want to do is I want to read from Acts chapter 2. If you guys have your Bibles or your smartphones or tablets, go ahead and pull them out and open up to Luke, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And we have we have um, gone through this, this, this passage of Scripture other times. Um, it's so dense. It's so thick because it has like just such packed in there. Um, and so I want to read it to you. And this is shortly after Jesus was resurrected. This is shortly after he, he had gone back to the Father. And, now, um, and then the Pentecost had happened and the Holy Spirit had been given to the church. And now they're filled with this life and, and 3,000 people had come to know the Lord, had, had, had received salvation because Peter, in boldness, preached to, to the masses outside of the balcony on vacation, in, in other words, right? They're just kind of like in this spot. And now it says what it was like. It kind of gives us like a montage, like in a movie montage, where it clips to like, hey, here's what's going on over the course of months, you know? This is what we get right here in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47. We get a picture of what it, the kind of community and fellowship was like for them. It says this in Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they like ate together. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common how did that happen? They had everything in common because they spend time together, right? Have you ever noticed that that happens? You ever notice that you become like who you spend time with? This, you know, this is true of, of positive and negative influences. My parents always used to tell me, you know, you're going to become like who you hang out with right? It's easier to be pulled down off the chair than it is to pull someone up on the chair. That was the youth group analogy that I always, that I always was told. Uh, my dog upstairs barking. Sorry, you guys are probably picking up every sound online. You've got, you've got a baby crying, you've got a dog barking, we've got everything. But hey, you know what? This is family. This is family. Um, so, they were together and they had everything in common because they spent so much time together. And then their life got really radical in their generosity. Verse 45, they sold property and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together. So they met together. It didn't get old. They kept doing it. 
in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see this picture in this in this passage of scripture, like this montage moment of where now we're seeing the church born, right? And in its, it's, it's sort of, there's no commentary except at the end that it was so attractive that people wanted to be a part of it. There was such relationships, such community, such, um, such, such belonging, such need being met, such togetherness and, and, and like wholeness that people were like, that. I need that in my life. I want that in my life. When I think about churches today, you know, and we'll put our church in the whole church, big church, as you will. When I think of churches today, I don't think of this as what churches are known for. I don't think of such deep belonging and life change. Now, I know that's what it's there for. I mean, anybody who's been in church knows that you're supposed to come to know Jesus because And when you do come to him, you find transformation. You do find life, you know. But what people think of the church is probably maybe a worship service, right? They probably think of like a band in a modern sense. They think of lights and they think of loud music and and, and six, seven, eight, ten people on stage kind of bouncing around, right? They think of a a stylish dressed pastor, you know, which again, there's not anything wrong with those things, but they know that more than they know Christians selling their property so that no one in their family has need. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone who sold their car or their house to do that. Actually, that's not true. I know one person who recently told me he's cashing out his retirement because he heard the Lord, felt that the Lord told him that he wants to build an ark for, for people in need. Cashing out his retirement and putting it into the bank so that he can help whenever God says it's time. That's really the only uh, you know, moment that I can remember of someone personally, at least, that I know who has, who has really exhibited that kind of that level there. And so there's, there's a challenge here for us, right? To love like Jesus. How do we do that through the lens of community and through fellowship? There is a book that um, that that I'd like to reference. I don't know the title, um, but there it was talking about. It was talking about various inventions that have come that have that have actually broken up community. And one of the first ones was the air conditioner. Follow me here for a second. We all love our air conditioner, right? We wanted to get a central air conditioning in this house, you know, for good reason. But think about it. Before air conditioners, what did people do? They sat out on their front porches in order to get out of the heat from the house, right? So as you're sitting on your porch. People go by, right? And you just say, hey, you know, like meeting people. You see this in certain communities. Unfortunately, a lot of it is in low-income communities who don't have air conditioning. I always remember this. Driving from the south side uh, into to, towards Lawrenceville, um, you would come through uh, a neighborhood there in the Hill District. And this is not a commentary on anything other than an observation that I made. And I noticed it was in the middle of summer and all of these individuals are sitting on the porch of their house. And I was like, why the heck are they outside? It's so hot. That's how I feel, right? Because it's summertime. Well, and then in my mind, my eye went up to their houses. I didn't see a single air conditioning unit. Now, knowing what I know about low-income population, I doubt doubt they have central air conditioning in in these really kind of neighborhoods that are not, uh, that don't have any money to buy them. Maybe they might have 
you know, window units, but I didn't see any. And then it clicked in my mind, they're outside because it's probably cooler out there than it is in their living room where the heat just gets trapped, right? If you think about that, but while we're driving by, they're just people waving, people walking on the street. There were people clustered on their, on their porches, talking to each other, just having conversations. When the air conditioner comes, everybody's like, oh man, I'm not going outside. It's hot. And you stay inside. Now there's, there's a space there. Another example is the garage. The garage used to be detached. A lot of homes in Pittsburgh are detached garages. You'll see them in some homes. But when, and so what would happen is you'd come home, you would get out of your car, you'd lift your garage, you'd go inside, you put it down, you had to walk to the front of your house. Again, the chance of seeing your neighbors or seeing people out on the street, you go inside. But then when they created attached garages, now you go inside your house and you don't even have to come out, except at your new house. <laughs> but you, you, know, you, go, you can just go right inside the house from the garage. Again, eliminating a contact point with people fences and gates, right? I mean, it used to just be open spaces, but then people put gates around their houses or fences around their houses or even gated communities. Again, creating another space in which now, instead of somebody just walking right up to your, to your porch, right? You, now they have to like talk to you. There's this awkward barrier there, sometimes privacy fences, right? So you're in your backyard doing things. Nobody can see you. Privacy, and I understand that there's a point for some of these things, but you see the, how, the, how it's gone from a community that was built around community into a space in which now so much of it is, is, um, is taken away. Think about answering machines and caller ID, online shopping, right? Texting and, and Instagram versus phone calls and being in person. You can see how our society has driven further and further away from being with people in relationships and deep connection with others and more into isolation and being separated. And that's not the picture that we see. But if you were to think about the society that our church is today, I want to read that same passage of scripture translated in the 2020 version, okay? This is obviously a joke, but I want to read this, right? So imagine Acts chapter 2 in the picture of the church today. The Christians were devoted to themselves and occasionally got to church when they had time. No one was filled with awe because there were no signs and wonders performed by the believers. Very few of the believers were together and they had almost nothing in common because they had no real time with each other. If they sold something, they used the money to buy something better for themselves. They ate on the run, kept to themselves and were too rushed to enjoy one another or give praise to God. They claimed to love God, but they didn't really love each other and they felt very empty and alone. And as a result, most people disliked them. And very few people were ever saved. I mean, that's, that's a harsh you know, criticism, but there's a lot of truth in that, in that space. Again, be clear here for any you know, real literalists in the room, that's not in the Bible. But it's an interpretation of the opposite of, of what it could look like. And in some churches, and I would say very few churches are probably that way. But almost every church probably exhibits some of this. And that's a challenge for us as Christians to think about, like, like, what is it? Like, is our comfort the number one priority? You know, like the way we spend our time, and I am just as guilty as anyone else. Like, how do we spend our time? And is there a way for us to get closer to this model that we see in Acts chapter 2? You know, and, and I, I just think just maybe as we do that, as we invite people into our lives and we spend time together, and that's the norm more than the special, that we will see awe 
in each other and what God is doing in, in our lives and in the lives of our friends and unsaved people. And, and then people will want to be a part of it because we're inviting them into it. So what I want to do is spend the rest of our time just kind of talking about it, and then we're going to discuss how to share the love of Jesus through the concept of community, a shared experience. Number one, we share the love of Christ through with other believers through church. And so, you know, you guys are here and you guys are online and I just want to say, you know, thank you for taking the time and joining. This is valuable. It's important. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. And I want to pause there for a second. This was written 2,000 years ago. So like what we're facing today isn't anything new. You know, people were busy. They had stuff to do. They had places to go. They had things that they wanted to do. And so, you know, the writer of Hebrews is saying, as some are accustomed to doing. Like some people even then were like, I don't need, that's fine. I go all the time. I don't need to go today or whatever. And he said, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's what I would say. Presence is powerful. Presence is powerful. There is no substitute for being with each other. Now, there is the capability of being online, and we're so glad that we have the ability to be online. And what I'm saying today about presence is powerful is not an indictment on any of you guys. It's because you're here. But there are some churches that are only doing like online, like uh, live streaming, right? Where they're each in their own homes, and they're, and they're just watching someone do something. We made the intentional choice as a church, even when the lockdown happened back in March, to make sure we were doing Zoom, instead of a live stream, so that we could connect with each other because presence is powerful. There is no substitute for being in the room with someone. And if anybody disagrees with me, just imagine when we were on the lockdown order by the governor and we couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't go to a restaurant. You weren't allowed to go anywhere. Technically, you could have been fined if you had gone somewhere that was unnecessary. And I remember text messages and I remember like Facebook messages to each other saying, I miss you so much. Like being even, even Zoom like was limited. There's just something about connecting with each other, being in the room with each other, spending time with each other. Presence is powerful. When we're in the room together or when we're in a Zoom call like this together, we can pray for each other. We can pray with each other. We can watch the same movie together. And you can even do it here in different rooms through Zoom. And it's not the same thing, but there are ways to spend time together. And what I would say is, you know, for anyone who's like, why do I go to church? You know, like it's a lot to do every week, that kind of thing. Here's what I would say. Don't reduce the fellowship of believers and the worship to God to listening to a podcast. There are a lot of people who do that. There are a lot of people who they get their church by listening to Stephen Furtick in, in you know, South Carolina or listening to Craig Rochelle in Oklahoma, or they just spend their time listening to a podcast on the way to or from work or something, but they do not have any relationships with other Christians. They're not in community with other people. Do not reduce the fellowship of believers and the worshiping of God to a podcast. Did you know that it used to be it used to be that, that an adherence to a church, a, a, an attendee of a church, was considered to be twice a month. 
that was like somebody, a regular attendee was considered twice a month. Now, a regular attender is considered once a month. Once a month. So you think about that, one hour a month is in a traditional church or even here, you know? Like, what are you going to get out of that that's really going to change your life? One hour a month doing anything isn't going to change your life, right? You spent more time on social media yesterday than you did, you know, like in a, in a church environment. We have to, you know, as individuals and challenging myself and us here, like do better, do more, you know? And most of us in the room here are here every week. So this is not like, but it's, a, it's just a reinforcement, right? It's a reinforcement of understanding the importance of the fellowship and the community that happens. Remember, the breaking bread is the sitting in a room together. That's part of the reason why we have bagels and we've got donuts. That's the part of the reason why every Sunday, when we can, we go out to lunch together as a family. That's why we, almost everything we do, there is food involved. Because there's something powerful about spending time with other believers, eating together, nourishing each other, both physically and emotionally and physically and spiritually. We love like Jesus when we love other people at church. But the second way is with a committed community of people. We think about our groups and the home church is kind of like a cross between both of them. When we were doing our church on Sunday mornings in a building somewhere, it was more of a traditional Sunday morning format. We had life groups in the middle of the week. Now what we have is our Sunday gathering where we come together and we, you know, we spend time worshiping and talking together, discussing and just kind of spurring each other on and praying for each other. But, uh, and now, and then we have like every other week, we have a ladies group, the EC ladies, and hopefully we'll be able to get our, our men's group going, doing the same kind of thing. And we have events that we do. We go to the beach together and we, you know, we do things together to spend time together and build relationships with each other. And then individually we get together and we have a good time together. These are all things that we need to do. And what happens is, is the more we spend time with each other, the more we become like-minded. You know, we can encourage each other. I know what's going on in your life. Because I talk to you, because we're texting. I love that our ladies have like a group chat that you guys are talking on a regular basis every day about things, joking about stuff, sharing memes with each other, you know? But then it's like, hey, what's going on? Man, I'm having a really rough day today. Let's pray for me or pray for each other. Just a couple weeks ago, we, you know, one of our members of our church family were, were just feeling alone and struggling. And so we took cards and, you know, birthday cards and just, just to, because we love, right? That's what we do. If you don't know it's somebody's birthday, you can't do that, you know? This is what happens in relationship. You do things like caring for each other's, you know, sick kids or pets. You provide meals for each other when you're sick or when you have a baby. You know, you go on trips together. You go places together. You share Thanksgiving meals together. You make cakes to celebrate together. You cry during the sad times. You hug each other when things are hard and painful. You help each other financially. That's a picture that I see. And I will say that I have seen this in our church. I have seen us rise up when there are needs. I have seen us providing food. I've seen us taking cards and birthday cakes. I've seen us um, eating food together. I've seen us crying with each other and holding each other. I've seen each other supporting. I've seen it, and it's beautiful. So the next step then is to invite other people into that space. You know, there was that line at the end of, and I'm going to kind of close up here, you know. There's this line at the end of, of Acts 2. It was in verse 47. It said, and every day the Lord was adding to their numbers, right? That's the secret. You know, that's what we want. 
right? We want, and that's, to be honest with you, the reason we switched, probably the primary reason we switched from the Sunday morning model on church kind of thing to the house church was because the model that I see here, what I see lived out in this passage is that people came to know Jesus because of a relationship they had with a Jesus follower. There was something about that connection of, I invited a friend to come to a meal and they were surrounded by other people who just were so happy to have Jesus in their lives and they're sharing each other. And then all of a sudden they maybe see like, you know, they hear like, what's going on over there? Oh, that guy, like his wife just passed away. And, and so everybody's taking him food and they're giving him money to pay in his rent next month and all this stuff. And that new person sees that. You know what I mean? Maybe that person doesn't like right away go like, I want to know Jesus. But he's like, yeah, I'll come back next week and hang out with you guys. That's awesome. Like there's a curiosity. There's a, something contagious about it. And so I'm challenged by this. You know, and I know that, you know, as a church, we're just learning. We're figuring this stuff out, you know. To be honest, I don't know a lot of non-Christians. I don't know a lot of people who aren't Christians. And that's half the problem. Right? Most of us, we spend time spending time with other people who are like us. And so there is an element to where we've got to find ways to, to, to start building relationships with other people. Doing the things that we're doing with each other, but doing them with them too. Hey, work person. Hey, neighbor. Hey, you know, friend. Let's go get coffee. Or, you know, can we let's have you over for dinner? Or, and I, I recognize there are challenges with that here today. And so maybe some of this is allow this to stew in your mind a little bit so that when things lessen and lighten a little bit, we can start to put this into practice. I think what I want to get out of this for myself and for each of us is what can we do? I love our church. I look around at our church and I think we do have a lot of this. We come together and we pray and we sing together. We talk to each other on a regular basis. We laugh together and we support each other and we spend time together. Could we do it more in some some cases? Sure. But we're doing a lot of beautiful, wonderful things. And I think part of what's missing is that we just need to find ways to include more of the people who don't know Christ. And that's, you know, the other half, right? There's that great commission there. And I I think we are set up in such a great way, more so than ever, to be able to add to our church in that way. So what can each of us do? What can we do as a church? What ideas do we have? I want to read the end there again, Acts 2, 46 and 47. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily to those who were being saved. So I think to love like Jesus means to break bread with people, to create community with people. Here, to reinforce the community we have together, let's keep that going. Let's not forsake that. Let's let's lean in to each other. Let's spend time, even more time with each other. But then outwardly, Find ways to break bread with those of people who who don't know Christ, people that we can then invite in and draw them in and find ways in. Let's love like Jesus. We forgive sinners. We we, uh, wash feet serving people. Like that's our, our our calling card, our hallmark. And we break bread. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the example that you have set for us. You, your standard of living, your standard of 
of, of what it means to love people is set so high. That bar is incredibly high and it costs you your life. And I know that that is challenging for us, for each of us, because many of us, myself included, are probably not there. We're not willing to lay down even aspects of our lives so that others can, can really come into a connection with you. And yet, that is what we want. I, I believe in, in my core and in, in the core of those in the room <coughs> that we want to get there. We want to be people who have experienced such a depth of love and relationship and belonging in you and with each other. That we, that we do want to, to say, I will give, I will, I will do whatever it takes so that others can experience this. Would you help us now? God, as we discuss this, as we talk about what it means to be in community with each other and, and we create spaces for others to come into community, would you, would you pinpoint areas of our life that maybe we do need to, to let go of, spaces that we need to give time or energy or resources so that we can create that space, so that you can move, and that we will be filled with awe, and signs and wonders will be met, will happen in our community, and that you will add to our community, that people will come to know you because of who you are through us. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I just ask you to bless the rest of our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.